Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Assalamu alaikum and welcome. My name is Noor and this is This Muslim Girls Podcast. This podcast was created as an outlet for myself to carry dialogues of open communication between different Muslim women about different topics. But it also serves as a resource for women to have a platform to share their narratives of their experiences with struggle and success. I think more now than ever, Muslim women are being underrepresented and misrepresented, not only in our communities, but in the media. And I believe it is time that we create a space where we can hold the microphone and be able to truly and genuinely speak our truth. Thank you for listening in, and I hope you enjoy the following episode. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to this Muslim Girls podcast. My name is Noor and today I am here with Hiba. Hi Hiba, thank you for hey, having me on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. So Hiba is actually someone that I met a few months ago, mm-hmm. a year ago. Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it was almost a year ago. Yeah. Uh, I remember I started Sisters of Azima, which is a mentorship program. And in one of the events that we wanted to have someone kind of come and speak to the girls, your name came up. I didn't know who you were, but Yisra, who's a mutual friend, um, suggested you. And alhamdulillah, you came. I think we spoke about um, marriage with the girls yeah. that day. Yeah, so we met then, kind of kept in touch through social media. And mm-hmm. actually, we sat on a board together. I mean, yes. a forum. for a the panel for feminism, I believe. In feminism Islam. and Islam, which is inshallah one of the topics we'll be talking about today. So, would you like to give maybe an introduction to the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, my name is Hiba, and I graduated from Cal Poly Pomona with a business um, management and human resource degree a long, long time ago in 2003, when probably all of you guys were children. (laughs) I was 13. But, oh my gosh, newer stuff. Um, And then shortly after that, I worked as an executive at Target for a couple of years, Then I had my first baby, so I wanted to be, my lifelong dream is to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, that's what I'm doing now. I, uh, you know, after I had her, I worked as an office manager for a small private Islamic school. And then, you know, we just moved here to Bakersfield about six years ago. I have three kids, alhamdulillah, all girls. And I have been married for over 13 years now. Yeah. So Wait, is this the 13 years that's coming up? Yes, this oh. <laughs> is the 13th year. This is our like wedding anniversary, not our kitab anniversary. So <laughs> you know how some people like to they celebrate. Do it. Yeah, um, we celebrate everything, girl. But <laughs> alhamdulillah, you know, I'm also I've been like you said on a few panels. I've been a speaker, you know, at a few different events um, in regards to Islamic topics. And then I do have a secret little project that I'm working on right now. So stay tuned, (laughs) inshallah, when it comes out, you guys will definitely know. But yeah, that's me. So you spoke about um, some of the panels that you sit on. Are these like for, like with the university or? Yeah, mainly with universities. And, um, you know, some are in regards to education in Islam 
in terms of women and their rights to education, and then all sorts of topics in regards to feminism, you know, hijab, the right to work, the right to, like I said, education, and many other things. And actually, I am a part of a halaqa, weekly halaqa that I've helped start. That's been going on for about three years now, over three years, alhamdulillah. And are these usually, what's what's the audience like? Is it mostly non-Muslims? Is it Muslims? Who are you speaking to? It's mostly non-Muslims. Okay. Yeah. So it's a good source of, you know, dawah. They want to know. And we do have an event actually coming up on April 1st, guys. It's called Meet a Muslim. Oh, yes. Uh, one of... Jihan, Jihan who I, I heard. she does that Meet a Muslim forum. So we're having one here? We're having one here, inshallah. Uh, my halaqa sisters and I are putting it on. And it's, you know, in lieu of all the political chaos that we're going through, we want non-Muslims to get to know us for who we are. For It's going to be super informal. Um, we don't want, like, a panel of speakers or anything. It's literally going to be lunch and, you know, drinks provided... They're going to come, they're going to meet us, they're going to talk to us with whatever questions they have. And mm -hmm. it will be, I believe, at CSUB. So once oh, I fun. have all the, you know, information confirmed, inshallah, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'd love to attend. I yes. think um, this is something I always say is the best way to kind of get rid of some of the ignorance in, in some people's. They've never really met a Muslim. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept. And there's people that I know that tell me that they don't, I'm like the first Muslim that they know, or maybe the first Muslim woman. And so getting to know me, my personality, the things I do, it really does mm -hmm. kind of address some of those misconceptions that they've had. Yeah. So this is such an important thing. And I'm yeah. so happy that we're having something like that in our community. Yeah, alhamdulillah. I'm assuming it's mostly women that are going to be a part of this. Or it's it... mostly women, but our husbands do work okay, good. encouraging them to come, you know, because there are going to be good. lots of men there also. And, you know, I want... The men have a stigma against them as well, the Muslim men, that they're oppressive and they're... Or aggressive. Or aggressive, yeah. exactly. Um, alhamdulillah, I think the men in our generation are starting to shift away from that. They're very open-minded. They're very... I know my husband is, alhamdulillah, I've been very blessed with the type of person Mashallah. he is. And, you know, so we want to let the community know. We want to kind of find a common ground between right. us and non-Muslims. Mm -hmm. And that, yes, our religion is based on upon peace first and foremost mm -hmm. and love and respecting other religions so we want the community to know that so you know if you guys have any non-muslim neighbors that you'd like to inform about this april 1st yeah csub from i believe 11 to 2 inshallah yeah no it's really important because at the end of the day Whatever, if we're not the, the source of that information for them, then God knows what is. I know. Fox News. I know. Or, <laughs> I know. Um, and in our community, I think our district is really probably the most conservative district in California. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of work that we do need to, to, to put in here because this is where we live and we want to live peacefully. We want to live not in fear or, yeah. you know. Um, but alhamdulillah, I'm really glad about that. So going back to... Feminism and Islam. This is a topic that, to me, and I think to a lot of girls, is very complicated because we're different types, uh, or you can say we research feminism in different types of ways. I mean, we're women, we're Muslim, we're Arab, and we're Western. Yes. 
And there's, as you know, a variety of different types of feminism. Some that's very backward, some that's very anti-hijab. Mm-hmm. And then there's feminism, you know, within our own religion. Mm-hmm. How does... How, how do you figure out which feminism... Like, what is... I guess, like, there's no blanket... Uh, Statement. Ter- yeah, yeah, for it. Um, no, there isn't. It's... I think when you understand that the basis of everything is... In our deen, you don't judge. Mm-hmm. So whatever type of feminism you want to belong to, that is your choice. Um, it's up to Allah. Allah is the one that decides whether it's right or wrong. Right. I think in the Western civilization, the less you put on your body, the more feminist you are. Mm-hmm. And some, like you said, extreme Muslims, the more you put on your body, the more feminist you are. And, you know, um, you can find a balance between the two or you can go whichever way. I'm not condoning not wearing any clothes. That's not what I'm here for. But like I am saying, don't judge other feminists um, for the choices that they make. Mm -hmm. The root of feminism is to unite um, women and to achieve gender equality, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, your definition of gender equality may differ, but for me personally, I feel that, alhamdulillah, Islam is the original, um, brought, up, brought about the original movement of feminism. It was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its at, time. you know, historically. Absolutely. It gave us the right to vote. It gave us the right to education, the right to work, the right to, to inherit, own. to divorce, to... Um, yeah, to own. And then I've mentioned this to you before, but, you know, the right to abortion, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's very controversial, but from the consensus of scholars agree that the woman has that right until, you know, up to about three months, I believe, when, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or, you know, blows the ruh into the the soul, into the baby. So there's so many concepts of feminism, subhanAllah, that like women need to accept it and to remember don't judge other women and don't force your 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 idea of feminism on others that don't necessarily agree with it yeah have you ever had a conversation with a non-muslim feminist who maybe disagrees or some of them might perceive certain things as being they might perceive some things as being hypocritical or for example the idea that a hijab is not part of feminism because it's something that was enforced upon women by a patriarchal religion or culture and therefore we think that the hijab is our right but really it's not type of um to that i say i've spoken to not necessarily feminists that think that but people that didn't know you know, the true right. purpose of hijab. So once, subhanAllah, once you find yourself in a conversation with them and um, explaining to them the true meaning of hijab and why we wear it and the that it has absolutely nothing to do with a man mm-hmm. and that Allah gave you this, it's a God-given right. Um, for instance, my girls ask me, why do you just... Why do you cover your hair? My youngest asked me the other day, Mom, why Why do you always have to cover your hair? So I tell her because I say, it's not only my hair, it's my entire body because it's my business. Because Allah told us that this is your body and your body alone. No one else is to look at. No one else is to admire. And you cover it because you're, you know, I said, I'm protecting myself in my own way and I'm 
you know, keeping what's mine to myself and I show it to whoever I choose to show it to, you know? That's a great way to explain it. Yeah. So alhamdulillah, so she, you could see the light bulb go off in her head and she's like, oh, okay. Because she must be like, well, all my friends at school or all the women that I see, Mm -hmm. like my mom, other moms don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was little because I, I knew that hijab was something that we had to do because Allah said to do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why. I had no clue why. So I used to be embarrassed when my mom came to school to pick us up mm-hmm. because she wore the hijab and she wore a habaya. And, Same. you know, yeah. So I Same. used to be so embarrassed and I'm like, oh God, you know, I just want to walk home alone. And everyone here. would ask me, well, why does <laughs> yeah. your mom wear that thing Or on is your head? mom a nun? That's what I got. Really? I'm like, I never got that, but it was always just why. And I never really knew why. I just said, mm-hmm. oh, well, we're Muslim and that's what women wear. Yes. And that's what I learned throughout the years, especially when I had kids. Don't don't teach your kids that it's haram to do something. That it's, you know, um, we do it just because Allah said so. You have to teach them why. Yes, there are some stuff that we do because Allah told us not to do it or to do it, you mm-hmm. know. But you got to go into the why factor. Right. Because if they don't find out from you, they'll find out from, from someone, someone else. else. And there are sources out there that are just crazy. But also, it's important to do it in a way that they understand. Yes. I think growing up, I was always told in the the way that you would explain it to an adult, not to a child. And so I didn't understand this concept. And so it was either like kind of this like fear or using this mm-hmm. like language that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very hard for someone to try to like, you know, figure everything out. Yeah. Um, and accept it and then also explain it because I've had to explain it several times growing up whether mm-hmm. it was my mom wearing it or whether it was me I mean I throughout junior high um, it's actually funny because I used to put it on my dad never um, enforced it on me in junior high I knew that when I got to high school I would have to wear it but in junior high I'd wear it and then picture day would come and I'd be like about I want to take it off I want to do my hair for the yeah. pictures he'd be like okay and then I'd do it and everyone at school oh my god your hair looks so yes. pretty and, and then I'd be like I'm done <laughs> like I'm not wearing it and then I, I wouldn't wear it for the rest of the year and then yeah. the next year I would try again and but that's okay um but I had to explain it so much growing yeah. up why I wore it why sometimes I didn't yeah. and now I think some girls get asked why do some people wear it differently um does a color represent you know now there's different styles of hijab what does this mean mm-hmm. uh what does mm-hmm. a woman wearing a full abaya mm-hmm. and a hijab mean and is there a different yeah you know, so we have to teach them that there's the different ways like you said yes that's how she chooses to mm-hmm. protect herself i choose to protect myself um i actually remember um i spoke to my oldest uh, daughter's entire sixth grade class this year in October I believe and I was asked those questions in regards to the hijab so what do the different colors mean and why do some people not wear it and why do some people wear it yes. this way and that way and this is something I kind of had to teach myself within the past few years actually where you know less judgment and more you know, look into the person's intention and then look into my own self and mm-hmm. my own flaws because I don't wear a perfect hijab. I know that, you mm-hmm. know, I don't go around wearing like loose clothing all the time and whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've learned to teach myself that whoever wears it, let them wear it however they want to wear it. Mashallah, at least they're wearing some form of hijab, you know, right. and even if you don't wear it, that's their choice and that's right. their decision. And their hijab might be in their manner exactly. too. Exactly. There, there are so many hijabis that I've seen that do not act like, 
you know, what you're supposed to quote unquote act like as a Muslima. Yeah. And so many non-hijabis that are so much more pious and spiritual than I've ever seen. So subhanAllah, I think once the world starts to focus, like each one focuses on their own flaws, the world would be a much better place for all of us. Wallahi. Do you think... I think this is kind of a controversial question, but <laughs> do you think that those girls who don't... So I, I know personally of girls that wear hijab but do not act mm-hmm. in a very... You know, they're it's different. Right. But also I know that some of these girls don't choose to wear hijab. They just do it because of, you know, cultural reasons. or to. Yeah, they're expected to. But should they... Do you think that they should then maybe take it... Not take it off because I'm not saying encouraging someone to take uh-huh. it off. But do you think that when you give someone the choice then they should or shouldn't wear it because those who do wear the hijab, I think, hold it very sacred. And so do you find it uncomfortable or how do you feel as a hijabi when you see someone who wears the hijab doing... Like I've seen with the internet some really disturbing things. The hijab is very sacred to us, to me, to you. But when we see girls wearing it and, and kind of doing the things that they do, is that... Um, I would feel the same way just as if I would see a non-hijabi Muslim acting in a non-Islamic way. I think you have to be very careful in holding those high standards to when it comes to only hijabi Muslims because that's tremendous, tremendous pressure on us, you know. Um, Just because one puts it on doesn't mean that one is an angel. Right. You know, and we are people, we are flawed human beings. Nobody's perfect. We're all, Dean fluctuates and Mm -hmm. it goes up and down constantly. So I think the mere fact that this sister has a hijab on and chooses to put this hijab on or even is expected to do it and she does it because she's expected to do it even though she doesn't necessarily agree with it that's a lot of pressure in and of itself true and then if she acts out or if she acts like a normal human being like we all do we all sin each and every day you know some sins are bigger than others and if they choose to do that you just be there to guide them be there to you know not judge them about it but guide them to do what's right as best as you can but you can't also hold their hands the whole time you can't be insulted because it's not it's nothing personal to everybody almost everybody who wears a hijab it is sacred but there's different degrees of how sacred it is true and i guess the way that someone else chooses to wear it shouldn't affect how you feel about it exactly as long as you live by the code that you want to live by and you know that pleases allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost as best as you can then like i said worry about yourself before you worry about other people you cannot you can't spend your time just judging others and contemplating over what others are doing wrong because then you neglect yourself and you neglect your soul and that's yeah dangerous you know it's such a big issue that i feel like girls are facing the hijab because they're either being judged by wearing it by those who are non-muslim or yes. they're judged by how they wear it by mm-hmm. the muslims mm-hmm. and man it's not easy no. it's pressure like you said it's a, it's a, it's an inner struggle too because at the end it's a spiritual way of practicing something mm-hmm. right so there's something very personal about it and very sacred yes so imagine having something so sacred and then having different types of groups yeah. of people judging you on it like you don't even have that clear head to to think about it you know Um, on a personal level and what it means to you and your relationship with God. So not only are you a walking target, especially nowadays, but you're getting 
input from everybody everywhere you're wearing too much makeup you shouldn't because you have a hijab on your hijab is loose it's not tight enough you have like you know a little bit of your neck showing or your clothes are why are you wearing um skinny jeans mm -hmm. why are you you know and yeah. they're not looking at the fact that hey we're wearing hijab calm down so mm -hmm. it's that first decision inshallah with the years Inshallah, the hijab will become more and more, you will be more conscious of how you're wearing it. People around you will recognize you more for, hey, there's a hijabi. There's, there are non-Muslims nowadays that know what a hijabi means. A lot more than, yes. than before. Which is like due to this, you know, I guess Trump is kind of bringing people together. He really is. <laughs> when you really think about it, he's bringing a lot of people together. And, um, you know, people are trying harder to find out who Muslims are to yes there are hate crimes and the hate crimes are rising against muslims but on the other hand there are way more people that are understanding than the hateful ones yeah so I mean, did you yeah. see the the articles and kind of like if, if the movement towards uh, accommodating towards hijabis within fashion or like Nike yes putting out the yes the hij the mm -hmm. athletic hijab mm -hmm. so that to me shows that there's a lot more recognition and support for it yeah. and recognizing that a lot of women that wear the hijab and they're not just women who stay at home, but they are athletes. Yes, athletes, they're teachers, lawyers, they're, teacher, lawyers, they're exactly. everything. Ballerinas, you know. I, boxers, I saw one who was a boxer. Yes. And, and, you know, alhamdulillah, it shows that we are, <clears throat> underneath it all, we're still just like everyone else. And we yeah. all have ambitions and dreams and different things that we do. There are skater hijabis. Yeah. There are, you know, like you said, boxer hijabis, fencers, doctors, lawyers, everything. Artists, you yeah. know, um, humanitarians. And um, this is who we are. We're not oppressed stay-at-home moms. We're not oppressed um, young child brides. Yeah. We're just like you and me. I was going to be like, how old were you when you got married? This is going <laughs> to be like, really... This is not about age, guys. <laughs> it's not how no, old wait, I am. How it's how old, old I feel. I was 22. Oh, that's not young. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know why. I was just like, just making sure. So if there was a group of younger girls who are interested in the idea of feminism but maybe don't understand the way that Islam um, promotes you know equality gender equality because the culture that they come from obviously does not it either suppresses women or it's very tribalistic very like orthodox how would you advise them like where would you advise them to look for that type of information within Islam, what would you tell them? I would honestly, first of all, gender equality is kind of, okay, males and females, I think, and I and Islam tells us, are equal, but we're different, right? you know? So we have different strengths that men have, men have different strengths than women have, men have been given certain roles in Islam, and women have also. I would honestly re-teach them Islam, I would because they're so their mind is so infused with culture right. and tribalism and it's it's such a confusing and complicated um, way to tell apart Islam. This is no, this is Dean and this is your culture. And never ever in the history of Islam and the true history of Islam where you know where the companions are concerned and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were men oppressive to women. Mm -hmm. Never. Even when, you know, I would 
I would tell them, look at the history of Islam. We had women on the battlefields. Um, a woman companion was pregnant and she was fighting alongside the Prophet We had women nurses and doctors like Fatima anha, nursed everybody on the battlefield. She was almost a doctor. And um, Aisha anha, was one of the biggest scholars in Islamic history. Mm -hmm. She taught men and women alike. You know, so she is like the biggest source that people would look to when trying to find out about Islam. You know, there were so many Khadija, how could I forget her businesswoman, didn't give up her business when she became Muslim. She didn't give up that part of herself. And she was the Prophet's right hand person. And she was the one he went to when he received the revelation. He didn't want to go to Abu Bakr Siddiq. He didn't want to go to anybody else. Mm. He wanted to go to a woman, his wife, you know, and she's the one that affirmed everything that was happening to him. So, you know, we could tell them this is Islam took away the unjust murder of infant girls. Islam took away the oppressive manner of, you know, the people of the Jahiliya. Um, it gave us so many rights so many rights you know if we if we didn't have the rights that we do from islam we wouldn't have you know mashallah ibtihaj muhammad the fencer olympic yeah. fencer we wouldn't have um anybody to look up to whereas nowadays i tell my kids every time i see a muslim girl or a muslim woman um in the news or doing something great i tell my kids look at her you know she's a muslim and she wears a hijab and she's doing this and you know i showed them the picture of the or the video of the ballerina 15 yeah. year olds you know mashallah i think she's russian or something um convert ballerina and before i remember when i was in school i used to think i could never play sports because every single sport involves shorts or bathing yeah, suit same. or whatever yeah so ibtihaj muhammad came into the picture showing us that no you can tweak this outfit and you can tweak that uniform and you can actually do it because mm -hmm. that's what her mom did. Yeah. And so right now, society is becoming more accepting of Muslims. And hey, there are hijabis that are doing things out there and we need to accommodate to them. And these girls that are coming from these oppressive cultures, you have to, like I said, reteach them Islam and what true feminism is and their God-given rights, you know, um, that are taken away from the men in society, yeah. their men, which is a pretty sad deal, honestly. So, but, but there, there needs to be, I don't know, something to, to provide that education because I'll be honest, it's not something that I'm hearing at the Friday khutbah. Yeah. I don't hear yeah. stories of what different types of women were doing, no. you know, the days of the Prophet. Peace be upon yeah, like I don't know these type of things. I didn't grow up learning these to feel like, okay, wow, in my religion, there's powerful women, there's mm -hmm. educated women. You know, we knew of the prophet's wives and like you can say the things that they did that, you know, that everyone knows. Yes. Like, you know, that Aisha yeah. was, you know, a keeper of a hadith. Mm -hmm. And Khadija was a bu businesswoman and someone who married the prophet um, when he was much younger than her. But aside from that, we don't really get to hear about all the other stories. Yeah. Like, um, like I talk about her all the time because I love her and she's one of my role models, Fatima Al-Fihri. Mm -hmm. And this is not a known name. No. And this is just, you know, to me, I found out about her because I did my research. And she was the first woman, the first person ever in the world to open up a university, to, oh, um, yes. yeah, mm -hmm. create this university, which is still going on. And that was an 800 and I think 90 or 800, between 860 to 890 AD. 
This is a Muslim woman that came up with the first ever university in the world, which is in Morocco, still up and running. And um, she took in people like, you know, rabbis and priests went to her university and every single type of person in the world. And you have the audacity to say that Muslim women don't have the right to education. Because of this Muslim woman, you now have a million universities around the world. And this was like a prestigious university. So, I mean, don't mind that the general public doesn't know this. Why don't Muslims know this? Why don't Muslims know this? Because that's not taught, which should be taught, like you said, in every single single masjid especially especially to girls you know and um, being a mom of girls this is something so important to me and this is something I want to actually spend more time teaching my kids because I want to empower them because only when you find out this kind of information about women in Islam that you know you feel empowered as a Muslim you feel true love for Allah and true gratitude that you know what he's the one that gave us these rights He's the one that did this. Whereas women in the Western civilization barely started to fight for their right to an education nearly a thousand years after Fatima and Fahri opened up the university. What does that tell you? Like, who's the backwards um, civilization? But this information isn't known and that's why it's, it's so unfortunate. It's um, frustrating. It is. It upsets me that we don't know these type of things. Absolutely. I don't know these type of things. My sister doesn't know <laughs> these type of things. I think growing up, it would create so much more security in us to know that we're capable of so much more because a couple of years ago a friend of mine and I when I was in grad school we did a research um, a qualitative research study and it looked into the educational opportunities of Yemeni American females in Kern County and we looked at some of the barriers and we asked them well what are some of the things or tools that you used and one of them was religion a lot of them said that after feeling so discouraged about not receiving an education or not receiving let's say the type of education they wanted they were looking into and i guess you could say an outlet to kind of support them mm -hmm. and so a lot of them went into religion and when they started re researching islam and finding out how important education was for a man and a woman then they were able to go back to their families and you know how do you contest faith and in, in right. god's word mm -hmm. it became difficult for their families to not accept them you know continuing their education so imagine having even more than just you know what they were able to receive so i wonder how we can you know somehow create something to spotlight these women of history and mm -hmm. our and our religion in a way where it's not only available but people shouldn't have to necessarily go and dig and search for it, it should be there Absolutely. It should be in our faces. I think in every masajid, there needs to be some sort of um, maybe halaqa, like a series about women in Islam and targeted towards women in particular, Muslim women, Muslim girls, Why young don't girls. We, we don't highlight this. I, I don't know. I, I think we're so good at talking about things and about, you know, just brainstorming ideas, but we don't. Unfortunately, and I'm going to be very honest with you, the there are a lot of... The masajid in America, or I, I've never experienced them anywhere else. Let me just say in California, Southern California, narrow it down. The board members are very... Um, they can be a little close-minded when it comes to what the younger generation needs in terms of the true Islamic education right. that they need, that they're requesting. They don't go out there and ask, hey, what do you what does your generation need? They put on things that are, you know, accommodate to their needs and what they think is suitable for, you know, the audience without finding out what the audience would like to hear about.
It's a reflection of themselves. It's, yes. It doesn't reflect what the dynamic of whatever the youth are, yeah. their environment, yeah. what they're experiencing. Absolutely. So I think I think that they need to reach out to the masjid goers, reach out to the youth in particular, because honestly, this is the most vulnerable stage right now. Mm-hmm. The youth needs to be truly educated on you know what is islam who are these people why do we okay we've heard stories of the companions we've heard stories of the prophet that's fine and all but how does it pertain to us mm-hmm. you know and what can we learn from these stories so for instance i said you know we can have a halaqa series at the masjid directed towards the youth girls about women in islam your rights as a woman, as a girl, as a Muslim girl. We could do that and we could do a question and answer forum and, you know, just let them open up to tell us what you need. What are, what are you missing? You know, what, what do you wish that the masjid can do for you as a Muslim in an American, as an American Muslim? So we just need to listen we need to be open-minded about like the kids that we're raising and try our best to adhere to their needs yeah because if we don't then other people the wrong people will and to add on to that i want to say that we need people within our community whether it's like young adults or mm-hmm. um to be that bridge sometimes between the two because you have youth and then you have the elders in the community Mm-hmm. and you know the leaders in the community and sometimes there's not a middle person to be able to easily communicate because one the youth might see the elders in their community as not not non-approachable non-welcoming sometimes mm-hmm. especially if they know that they have issues and i'm only going to go there to get judged or they're going to want to impose this this and this on me not understanding me and vice versa those you know people might i mean the elders in the community might not feel comfortable approaching the youth because they probably feel like I can't relate and I don't understand. So yeah. um, that's kind of something that I I hope that I've been able to do in my community is be the bridge between the two. I think a benefit of growing up, you know, hybrid and although most of these kids are, but being really, really close to my roots and having had traveled back to Yemen, it's given me an opportunity to really see both sides Yeah. so that I can be i guess you could say a bridge between the two to understand what the the leaders in the community need and what the youth need but to be able to create better communication Mm -hmm. because they i think i I truly believe they want to help the youth i just think they don't know how yeah and the youth i think are very open to accepting help or guidance it's just you have to be very empathetic and understanding non-judgmental that's like a huge thing i think with our youth is that they fear judgment. Um, but yeah, inshallah, everything will work out for the best and our conditions will improve soon because it needs to happen. Inshallah. Continuing on kind of on the, the topic of youth, something very specific, I think a lot of youth have different views compared to their parents is the idea of marriage. And we know what Islam provides us as guidelines to marriage, mm-hmm. but that does not reflect sometimes the family values, the cultural values. So for example, I mean, aside from many things, things that have to do with marriage and we can talk about meher we can talk about the way in which people get to know each other you know um you know access to each other interracial marriage i feel like is something that is it's not normalized yet but i see it kind of trickling into our communities yeah um it's not necessarily accepted especially by those who come from really conservative families but i i know your husband is not you are palestinian Mm -hmm. and your husband is not 
No. So how did that kind of... Well, <laughs> my husband is actually half Indian, half white. And so I so remember... So he comes from an interracial... He does. Yes, absolutely. And even at a time when it wasn't accepted, like, even more so than now. Um, right now, I feel like it's more accepted, but not where it should be. You know, we're not where we should be yet. So my husband and I, I, I came from a very... My father was super strict, still is. So we were completely sheltered. And my husband and I met in college, actually, because where else will I meet a future spouse if I weren't allowed to go out and just be a normal person, go out to normal um, places and whatnot. So we actually met the first day of college. And like your freshman year? Our freshman year. Oh, wow. We met the first day of college. And so <laughs> my, I was just, oh, wow, this guy is Muslim. And he doesn't even, I had a thing about, um, I, I wasn't into the quote unquote Arab looking guys because I've had, you know, you have your impression mm -hmm. of Arabs and my impression wasn't great. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this guy's a Muslim and he doesn't look like an Arab and he looks like a white guy with a tan. So I'm like, okay, this is a possible potential here. He caught your eye. Um, he caught my eye. So, but alhamdulillah, we were, we had a couple classes together. We were super involved in our college MSA, very involved in it. And sure. Cal Poly Pomona had such a strong MSA and it was post 9-11. Okay. And yes, so we were scared. We were just, um, but 9-11 did this thing to our MSA where uh, I've never seen it happen before. We went from literally four members of the MSA to there was a day where over 100 people showed up. Wow. And then it just became stronger and stronger after that. So we were both involved in the MSA. We were on the MSA board. I was vice president. He was like Dawah chair and everything. So mashallah, I saw that he had good character. And that's what I was looking for. And I didn't, like I said, I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I've always wanted to get married you know, by 18, but, you know, then it got to, I, I became more realistic with myself, right. especially when I went to college and, you know, I'm like, education is what matters. And then, you know, I can worry about getting married to the right person and everything. So this guy I've seen throughout all four years and the, like more and more his character was just standing out to me and he valued the same things I valued. And, um, I never had in mind that, I would marry a person of a certain culture. The thing is, we were brought up on Islam, alhamdulillah. We weren't brought up to be like proud Palestinians. Mm -hmm. I've never felt that way, probably because I never felt like I belonged to any culture, but the only culture I really related to was the American culture, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I was Muslim first and foremost. I was a Muslim American in my eyes and which I am. Um, I was never into, you know, the Palestinian culture or the Kuwaiti culture, even though I was born and I was there for eight years. So my mom and dad, when we came here, they were big on Islam, Islam this and Islam that. And Is it because you went from being in a Muslim <clears throat> country to a non-Muslim country? They were so scared that we'd lose our Islamic identity. They were so scared that we'd, you know, this was the haram country to them, <laughs> right? Where everything was haram. So, so because of that, and I'm thankful to that um, aspect of it, 
Um, I don't necessarily agree with the the whole strictness of it and you know how sheltered we were. But I was thankful to the fact that we were brought a Muslim and not Palestinians. You know what I mean? Right. So because of that, I never thought I'm going to marry an Arab. I'm going to marry a Palestinian. My dad did mention one time, you guys are going to marry Arabs. And not only that, they're going to be complete Palestinians. And my dad is a big on teaching people deen. And, you know, he's been a Islamic studies teacher, a Quran teacher and whatnot. I would hear him tell other people, no, as long as they're Muslims, you know, it's fine. But when it came to his girls, <laughs> it was like a completely different story. <laughs> right. So, but alhamdulillah, I met Nasir and he proved to be such an amazing, amazing person, a good Muslim with good values that I treasured, you know, and he felt the same. And, you know, then alhamdulillah, we got married and we live the same way. We adopted a lot from our family and he wasn't brought up either Indian or white. He, he shared that American he culture. He shared the American culture. Which I think is something people don't realize that when you grow up in a western country sometimes the similarities are within you know growing up american yeah. and sometimes that's more important than it is to have that background palestinian yemeni indian mm-hmm. background that's not as important as having the same values right in, in the country where one you were raised in two where you will raise your kids as well to have someone who understands yeah that did you guys ever like, did you ever worry about how your family would perceive him or take him in? And did he have the same? Of course, well? absolutely. Um, I don't think he worried as much. I worried more than he did because, you know, he came from we're girls. Inner, yeah. yeah. And you're a he girl didn't care. Kid. And he's he's usually like, I don't care what people think, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Muslims. That's fine. And that's what matters to us. But my dad's definitely not going to agree to this. He's like, the there's not the... There's no way in hell he's going to accept you as a son-in-law because you're not Arab. Let's just, you know, you're not even full Indian. You're half white. (laughs) So so he's going to definitely have a problem Mm -hmm. with it. But subhanAllah, when you make dua and you have the right intention and you, and I'm not talking about dua once or twice a year or something. You make constant dua. This is so important when you need something. Yes, absolutely. People tell me you're so lucky you have such a good marriage. It's not luck. It has nothing to do with luck. I agree 100%. It has to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what he intended for you and your just I'm not saying that people don't make dua and don't struggle to find this person I'm not saying that because you didn't make enough dua you didn't get the person you want that's exactly not what I'm saying but you make dua you pray stikhara and if Allah makes things like go your way and makes things run smoothly your way then you know it's meant to be if Allah puts one obstacle after another after another then you know okay khalas you need to stop this is not what's meant for you Mm And I've seen so many cases in which this happened. People ignored the obstacles, ignored the they red flags. It. They force it. And then they end up saying, well, I prayed istikhara and we we got married. So, but you're miserable yeah. or you're divorced or, you know, whatever. Look, at the end of the day, you can force anything to happen. Yes. But if you're not paying attention to your feelings and kind of the situation and how it's going. Yeah. And to those signs, then. Pay attention to the red flags. Pay Definitely. attention. Even if there's like one red flag, but it's major, pay attention to it. Um, in terms of my husband, alhamdulillah, my dad actually met up with him and his father. Did you tell him about him? I told, I told him. 
told him the day he called. I said, oh, by the way, Baba, uh, you're going to get a phone call from someone who's interested <laughs> in marrying me. So just FYI. And my dad and was like... And you didn't mention who it was? No. He actually asked who was it. the surprise of his life. No, the first question was, where's he from? Oh. I'm not even joking. Where's he from? And then I'm all, crap. So I'm like, um... I don't know. He's from here. He's half Indian, half white. And he's like, what? What is this half Indian, half white business? So I said, just, you know, talk to him, Baba. And he's like, okay. So they talked and he met up with him months later because it was a period of time where my other sister was getting married. And so we were so busy with her wedding and everything. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was months later. He met up with him and his father and he came home and he said, I've known his father. I knew I met him in 1992. We were doing dawah together. Oh my God. Yes. He said, if he's anything like his dad, you have my blessing. And that's what you, you know. <laughs> You're like, oh that, I was like, you know, over the moon, happy. That's when you know that Allah has a hand in this. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, a situation where I thought there is no way, there's no way that my dad's going to say yes. Even my mom, my mom knew everything about him. Even my mom would come to me day and night and she would tell my siblings to tell me you need to tell Hibad that this is not the guy for her Aww. it's not gonna work out your dad's not gonna agree so when it goes from that kind of thinking to you have my blessing after one meeting with him that's how you know Allah you know like Allah made things go so well for you and alhamdulillah alhamdulillah and this is Allah's will is our marriage like super easy I don't think any marriage is very easy, but my marriage, alhamdulillah, is not hard at all. Because you don't really have those differences, like you said, growing up exactly. in the States. It's not a culture shock. Yeah. It's not anything. Culture has nothing to do with our marriage. What about raising children? Raising children, I'll tell you what, the hardest thing about raising children is to... I'm, I'm constantly afraid that they are going to... Okay, in terms of Islam, Islam I want to raise them Islamically. But I want to also raise them in a way where, you know, just because you're Muslim doesn't mean you can't do things. Mm -hmm. You can, I want to open doors for them through Islamic teachings. Mm -hmm. Because you're Muslim, you can do this and that. Because you're Muslim, you can Not go out. because you're Muslim, you can't do this. Exactly. So, and then um, because you're Muslim, you can be educated. You know, you can work. You can do whatever you want because Allah gives you the right to do it. You know, there are certain topics, of course. People have made this one specific thing very irritating for me. I married a non-Arab. Um, people come up to me sometimes, oh, your children don't speak Arabic? Mm. You know, in a condescending kind of thing. Like, right, what right. a shame. And to me, and to all the proud Arabs out there, good for you. I'm just, I just don't identify with that. I know the Quran was revealed in Arabi, and I, I completely agree with, you know, as long as my kids are going to learn the meaning of the Quran and the tafsir of the Quran and what the Quran, you know, the message behind the Quran, that's all that matters. Yeah, to the me. context is a lot more valuable the context than the of language the because yeah. there's people who will learn the Quran and they will go to your Saturday Arabi school and they will Yeah. They don't learn they anything. They will remember mm -hmm. they'll memorize the Quran, but if they do not know what it means Right. Exactly. But they can speak Arabic. The, I take, alhamdulillah, yeah. my kids go to Quran class. And no, my kids don't know how to speak fluent Arabic, of course, because I struggle a little bit with that. I speak Arabic to my parents, but here in our household, my husband and I don't speak Arabic to each other because he's not he an Arabic speaking yeah. person. 
And naturally, we're not going to speak Arabic mainly to my kids. Um, English is our first language here. When it comes to Arabic, I think as long as I'm teaching them Quran and the meaning and you know the meaning of the words in the Quran, they don't need to speak fluent Arabic. Mm, yeah, that's such a misconception. It is, and it happens so much, and you feel you just can't help but feel like you're like a shortcoming. I'm not doing right by my kids, and then you have to kind of no. Wait a minute, is this important to me or to those people? Who right, are, you don't let it get to you. Yeah, you don't let it get to you. And Hamdulillah. I think though like it's a struggle raising kids in Muslim kids in this country I think it's a struggle raising kids anywhere to be honest right. with you but I want them to to grow up knowing the true essence of Islam right and to I want to I want to teach them akhlaq first before I go on to you have to memorize the entire Quran and you have to pray five times a day and whatever um, because all of they that do. will it comes with it Yes, it really does. Mm -hmm. um, Once you teach them the love of Allah and akhlaq, they will love to worship him. They'll want to do it. Your husband was he born Muslim or yes. okay, so he's not a convert. No, he's not. Okay, cuz I think there's then a different discussion on interracial marriage Absolutely. with converts. Yeah. So, living in America where we have Muslim brothers and sisters who are converts mm -hmm. and they're struggling to settle down and get married and oftentimes, you know, they do want someone who speaks Arabic or comes from a Muslim family because they want that extra support for their future mm -hmm. kids. The Muslim community is really not accepting of no. marrying their daughters and sons to, to converts. Yeah. My um um, if I could, sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. My sister, my youngest sister, actually just recently got married to a convert. Oh, he's African American. He's from the been, states. From the states, he's been a Muslim for six years. He's Shalom. from Southern California. He's, you know, he's one of the best people I know, to be honest with you. And he's, you know, I think the converts are actually one of the some of the best Muslims there are because they come to Islam because of their own choice. They chose to come into this and religion. And no bias, no cultural Absolutely not. you know, holdings. And he makes her them. very happy. He has such good akhlaq. You know whereas I see a lot of born Muslims with horrible upbringing, horrible akhlaq, they don't have akhlaq. I feel like you kinda of carry baggage with you your do. upbringing, your culture when you when it comes to Islam. Yeah. How was that received by your family and by the community because we got to be honest i think that when it comes to converts there is racism especially within arab absolutely so i imagine that, that sometimes can be very difficult some arab have this what i like to call arab supremacy mentality mm -hmm. just like the white supremacy yeah. they're like the um not all Arab, please, please do not, you know, I'm not trying to offend Arab. I feel like I'm Arab bashing, but I'm really not. We're Arab, so it's, I know. <laughs> it's, it's what I've seen. It's yeah. what I've seen. And um, I don't know where this mentality comes from, that because I'm Arab, I'm better than all of you. Where no, you're not. We're all... You, the only, exactly only through our actions should we decide whether or not we're better than people you know look at people's actions in terms of my brother-in-law he's not only is he a convert but he's african-american so he's a black muslim through my family my family welcomed him alhamdulillah you know alhamdulillah. obviously at first my dad my mom and dad had their reservations because he's a convert not the fact that he was black he's a convert so being a convert they consider things such as how long has he been muslim is he practicing the true islam which these are valid valid questions yeah yeah 
Um, who even knows him for us? I can't, I can't look at his family. You know how, you know, us Muslims love to yeah. look at families to, little background you know, check yes, before, let's, yeah. let's look at the mom and dad. And if the mom and dad are good, then yeah. that automatically means their son or daughter are good people, which is false, No, you know, in some cases. But yeah, so my dad couldn't check up on him through his family. So my sister said, well, why don't you ask people that actually know him mm -hmm that go to the masjid with him that are on the he's part of a muslim basketball league okay you know his friends in the basketball league it's a little bit more effort than i think that they're used to yes so whereas they, like, they could just call an auntie or something yeah. and be like hey so i know this family what do you think but my dad couldn't do that so he was worried about that then you know john started coming around more often and this is a very important point by the way for my girls i tell them when you grow up i want you to marry someone like your dad, someone that can treat you the way your dad treats your mom. Right. And if you're interested in someone, don't hide it from us. Just tell us who he is. We can have him over for dinner. I think what we need to do is embrace this. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but trust me, it's more scary when your kids sneak around behind your back with somebody. For sure. Yeah. So you need to kind of, you know, he came over for dinner. Um, he would call my sister. They got to know each other. You know, there's going to be a line though, a boundary, right. you know, so don't cross it. If it doesn't please Allah, don't cross it. And that's what I need my daughters to realize. You do not go out with them behind my back. Mm -hmm. You bring them over. We're, we're ready. We're, we would welcome whoever you bring as long as they're Muslim. Mm -hmm. If they're not Muslim, I'm sorry. In terms of my brother-in-law, he converted long before he met my, my sister. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay, alhamdulillah, he converted for the right reasons. You know, he goes to the masjid, he does this. Look at, look at what he does. Ask his friends, what does he do when he's, how does he handle his anger? What does he do when he's happy? What does he do when he's sad? And then you pray istikhara, make dua, tawakali ala Allah, and make your decision. And get to know them. Like, spend time with them. <coughs> Don't just ask around. I feel like this is something that we lack even when it comes to marrying of our, you know, within our same culture. Mm -hmm. Because we automatically rely on who the family is. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it seems that if the family is okay, then the son must be right. okay as well. And that's not always true. Yeah. And vice versa. Yes. The 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 boy may be whether he's a convert or not. He may be you know uh, an outstanding guy, but his family you know could be a little weird. But we have to judge him for himself because at the end of the day, he's the one who wants to marry yes. your daughter. And if he has the good intentions and will take care of her, then you have to be open minded to yes. that. But yes, yeah, spending time um, going out with that person, the more you spend time with someone, the more you'll see and the, the more that will come out of them that will show you whether or not this is the right person that yeah. you would, you know, want to have for your daughter or, you know, for your son. But we're having such a large... You do have a large um, community of converts. Yes, you community do. of converts that, you know, how are we supposed to help them with you know if they're gonna be here and they're from us then we need to welcome them in every way yes and there's know? this hypocritical characteristic sometime of us muslims where we welcome the converts once they convert yeah. with open arms the Mabruk, day that they do their shahada mashallah, the day they do their shahada and then complete abandonment and neglect um we're just you know i'm so happy you're muslim tears in our eyes hugs and kisses and crazy like if you need anything please Please let us know but <laughs> we don't give out our phone no. numbers to them we don't tell them hey this is where we are and it's understandable sometimes you're you don't know this person so you don't want to get super personal with them right away just because they converted 
But on the other hand, it's, you know, I personally feel a sense of obligation towards converts because yeah. I feel like it's so wrong for us to abandon them. This is their time of need. And it's not easy for them to approach us it's as, it not. Is, as easy it is for us to approach yeah. them. So it really is our duty to check up on them yeah. in Ramadan, see what they're doing because more than likely they're fasting alone. Yeah. You know, invite them to our social gatherings mm-hmm. and really integrate them into the community better. Yeah. And Ramadan, Ramadan right? there's such lonely times for them. Mm-hmm. There's such lonely times, and I those are the times that you can, hey, um, text so and so. You know, I'm having an thought. Would you like to come over? I think we need to work so much harder on reaching out I to converts. Agree. A lot harder. I was than we so do. ignorant. Like I was telling you earlier about how ignorant I was to the the need, especially the younger ones, because those are the ones that I've you know gotten to know. And it just never crossed my mind because I was born Muslim and I've had, you know, the Muslim community and the Arab community around me my whole life. I didn't realize that how different it would be yeah. in Ramadan and on Eid. The masjid is open for all. You I'm know, sure. it's not, sure. like you said, it's not just for Arabs. It, Arabs, we do not claim, I mean, we do not own Islam. It's not ours. It's we don't not, even make up, we make up only a fraction of Muslims yeah. that are, you know. And it's like you said, the masjid is open for all, but the masjid attendees don't make it seem that way. Yeah. So how can we kind of make this situation better for everybody else? Yeah. I feel like everyone needs to put in a little bit because it's it's a lot. And you have a lot of people who like to benefit from things like mm-hmm. the events that the masjid will put on and sometimes the masjid isn't having the support like the, the manpower to do some of these things sometimes it's the men in the community i mean we're predominantly i think a yemeni community mm-hmm. here i'd say mm-hmm. and a lot of them run businesses and they don't have time but it's like this is so important and something that i think if worked out well with just being strategic we could have a lot more events a lot more different type of lectures like we could we're we're in a perfect position to bring so many different types of people here to discuss a variety of things like we have southern california we have northern california we have so many resources and we're in the middle it mm. wouldn't be hard to bring different people in like we need to take advantage of like our situation but Unfortunately, that's not happening. I think for me, a lot more youth need to get involved yes. because the elders have a way of doing things and I think it's it would be very hard to try to get them to change the way that they do things in a way that appeals to us. Yeah, but they just need in to, their ways. Yeah, but they need to be open to us kind of wanting to do different things differently and like test it out yeah so we've touched on a few taboo topics um like interracial marriage and i wanted to talk about something else that i think is perceived to be taboo which is how we look at illnesses and how we look at people who are ill aside from mental illness which that's a completely different topic yes but being physically ill why mm-hmm. are we so uncomfortable with sharing you know these type of things with others i know personally about four months ago i was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis Mm -hmm. and for those of you who are unfamiliar with that it is when your immune system becomes inflamed and it actually starts attacking your central nervous system it attacks my brain it attacks the nerves in my brain and spinal cord What it does is the nerves have a protective layer around them. And so it attacks that layer. And when the layers are damaged, it's called the myelin sheath that it attacks. When that's damaged, then the nerves start miscommunicating messages to each other. You know, for instance, some people can't walk straight or 
you know, trip and fall. Uh, there's, there's a lot of muscle, you know, control issues. Some people become blind. Some people become paralyzed. And is this like genetic or? No, it, just... it is very rare that it's genetic. No one knows the actual cause yet. Okay. No one knows. No one has the cure except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's, you know, it's a very, because it's super unpredictable, whereas, you know, the symptoms can hit you all of a sudden. So you can all of a sudden wake up not seeing anything and not, you know, and it causes a lot of, um, it affects your cognitive skills. So you become confused at times. You're, you start developing speech problems. You know, there are so many, so many symptoms of it. And that's what makes it super confusing for the medical community and for doctors. They can't find it's so much. It's very unpredictable. And is it different for different people? It's different for everybody. Uh, is different there are a lot of common symptoms around such as the tingling you know i have a lot of tingling in my body i look down and pins and needles shoot up and down my body i have numbness in my body and so you're in and out of the neurologist's office you get infusions all the time whether steroids or you know um, other treatments you know it's it's not only is it difficult to deal with personally um, it is difficult for the family to handle sometimes, like I'm I said, sure. because of the unpredictability of it. So I think I told my husband the hardest thing I had to deal with is how I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow or even tonight. You know, um, I'll give you an example. One time I was in the kitchen doing the dishes and all of a sudden my right arm goes numb and it feels heavy and the tingling gets, you know, the feeling... It feels like stabbing in my arms. So it goes heavy and it falls to my side. And then I feel that, you know, sensation going through my chest to my left arm. And so my left arm got heavy, fell to my side. And so I couldn't move both arms. And that's, it just hits you like this. You're fine one second and then you're not the next And minute. how long does that last? So it, it depends. That's what's puzzling everybody so much. Um, it, sometimes it lasts for minutes. Sometimes it lasts for hours. Sometimes, you know, it can last for days. And so different symptoms are just different. And, um, in this particular case, I couldn't move, I couldn't feel my arms um, for about an hour and a half. And so to me, I'm thinking, it was, the, it was when I first got diagnosed, and I'm thinking, okay, am I going to be able to hug my children again? Am I going to be able to do anything with my arms? And there's so many things that you realize you can do with your hands and arms that you take for granted every single day, mm -hmm. which is why I kind of wanted to, I'm glad you brought this up. I think that your personal story is your personal story. The way you want to handle it is fine, but let your personal feelings dictate the way you want to handle your illnesses or your whatever it is you're going through and not what the culture perceives it as. Right. Do you know what I mean? So if the culture sees illness as a taboo, which I have no idea why, that's so wrong in and of itself because this illness is from who? It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it's not, it's nothing that we've done to ourselves, whether it's mental disorders or, you know, anything physical or anything invisible that you can't see, but is going on inside your body. People seeming they think I'm healthy, you know, but they don't know everything that I'm going through inside. People need to have an outlet for this. People need to discuss it, not only for their sanity, but for others. 
other things and for others and for I want my children to feel comfortable talking about this it took me about two weeks after my diagnosis to tell my children and obviously you're not going to give them worst case scenario because you don't want them to right. panic and freak out no, no, no. and you want them to be kids you know mm -hmm. and but I also want to get as much dua like from people as I can and because I know the power of dua, mm -hmm. the power of dua is greater than we can ever imagine. And so the more people I have know about what's going on with me, obviously I'm not going to reveal too much detail if I'm not comfortable with it. But if people know what's going on with me, and if people think that, you know what, if I can get them to make dua for me, then I'm winning. Alhamdulillah. You know, because I don't think there's anything wrong with the person that I am. Mm -hmm. Because I have this illness, I think I'm still Hiba with multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. but I'm not, you know, MS Hiba. My friends like to joke around and say, you're a mess, you know, MS, oh. get it? <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, so <laughs> in terms of that, I, I think it's, it's very sad that people, you know, judge people based on their illnesses and the hardships that they go through when especially when they have no control over it yeah it, i think it just adds extra stress and extra worry on mm -hmm. the person that's mm -hmm. completely unnecessary and yes the idea is just because something is wrong with me doesn't mean something is wrong with me so the whole idea with not being able to share not wanting to share in our communities it's this shame i think mm -hmm. that's what the word is is there's so much shame as if like we've done you know the person has done something wrong to deserve this and i'm not sure what the understanding of that is i don't know if some people think that this is like um and allah or something yeah, or you know but they have a misunderstanding of what it's like and um i know in my culture you really veil all the flaws within you and your mm -hmm. family and you don't discuss any type of issue no dirty but yeah. yeah but that's so unhealthy because and like you said you share what you want to share yes but it's so unhealthy to pretend to the outside world mm -hmm. because when you then internalize everything that's going on, it's almost more hurtful. It's almost more hurtful knowing that people think you're happy, but you're not, mm -hmm. you know? There's uh, a sense of support. And like you said, dua, when you're able to share, especially with the right people. Yes. And it's an outlet. And we need to emphasize the importance of that when dealing with any type of hardship, um, you know, personally or within your family. I think especially when it comes to women. Yeah. When it comes to women, if they're, you know, stricken with something, then that's horrible, especially if the girl isn't married yet. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, she has MS and she's single. And no one's going to want to marry goodness, her. Oh my no one's going to want to marry her. She has this, you know, she's bipolar. No one's going to want to marry her. Mm -hmm. She's bipolar disorder is super taboo and it's so like not even touched upon in the muslim community it's really sad for people that are suffering from it and there are people many people that suffer from this they're called crazy i mean exactly no 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 no. we're our daughter's not crazy you know our daughter is not you know bipolar what is this you know mental disorder when they hear the word mental they automatically go to crazy it's yeah. a bad word you don't even touch that it's either you're crazy or you're ain or sahel oh, yeah or... that's such a big cop out by the way i yeah. feel the word ain if people start talking about hasad oh um i didn't I got an F on my exam because people hasaduni, people gave no, me hasaduni. No, you didn't study. Exactly. You didn't study. Mm. You didn't study, buddy. So it's like Hajar, radiallahu anha, you know, she tawakkarat ala Allah, but she didn't put 
her tawakkul ala Allah, and that's it. Yeah. She ran seven times up and down. She tried. She tried seven times. She just had a baby. She did her best. So you tawakkul ala Allah, but do your share too. Yeah. You know. So I think the whole hasad thing. Oh. You know, I've had people tell me, and that hurts, by the way, when people, when you're, you know, given some sort of trial to go through, an illness especially, and when people tell you, oh, someone hasadik, you have a good life, you have blah, 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 blah. Is that blah. their way of sympathizing for you? Yes, something? that's in their own way. They're like, oh, ya haram, someone, I don't need your pity. I don't pity myself, alhamdulillah. I consider myself good lucky. Good for you. Alhamdulillah. I consider myself lucky. Not once have I gotten angry at the fact that I have it because how could you get angry at Allah for giving this to you when you know that you wake up every day and he's purifying you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. So alhamdulillah, it honestly it brings a smile to my face every time I think about it that way because I have I can't afford to think about it otherwise in another way. This is why I think you should share this because people don't look at it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this whole like movement about um you know, self-worth and happiness and perspective. Like mm -hmm. how important perspective is when you're faced with something. And I think that in Islam we're always taught to look at perspective. Like you may be going through something but look at all the positives that yes. is coming out of it or yes. the, the possibilities. We don't do that. We look at the negative and we dwell in it yeah. and we have self-pity. That is such a huge issue yeah. I think is having self-pity. And the reason we have this is because we feel like we're the only ones going through yeah. it when in reality everyone's going through it. And that's why I think sharing is important because then someone else who could be going through something completely different but an illness can say wow Hiba is going through her MS and she's looking at it in this way mm -hmm. and she's finding the positives I need to do the same thing it helps it helps it really does it also helps physically you start to feel better you Fact. start to your mentality has changed you know this forced me to think more positively mm -hmm. um you know you think you know what i don't agree with it. whenever people say like you had mentioned that this is a punishment this is aqab and allah must have done something wrong mm -hmm. in my life of course you've done wrong in your life we've all <laughs> done wrong in our lives but you whatever you're given in this life Allah's not going to make your entire life go smoothly mashallah for those of you who are you know their life is amazing and smooth mashallah good for you you know but Allah tells us do you not think that you know do you think you will say we believe in uh I'm totally butchering this ayah but you know in those terms and that we will not test you yeah so Allah's testing you constantly in different ways and this is my you know do I think of it as a huge test from Allah right now alhamdulillah I feel like I feel like yes this is a big test but it's not taking me down it's not putting me down you know and I think it has to do with the way I'm looking at it this is a test from Allah and I will study and I will come out of it with flying colors inshallah you know with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so I've come to realize that you know what I've, I'm prepping myself so if tomorrow I do wake up paralyzed alhamdulillah from Allah what am I gonna do it detaches you a little bit from this dunya also yeah because this isn't our home that's very you know true. my home is Jannah inshallah ta'ala that's where I want to be and that's where I'm not going to have MS and that's where I'm going to be eternally forever, happy yeah. forever. This is a test from him and this is what he decided is best for me. So who am I to go against the creator, all you know, knowing. all knowing, infinite wisdom that I know nothing of, you know, and say boo-hoo-hoo, how could you do this to me? That's it's almost shit, right? Because it's, you're... Yeah. 
you're questioning you're questioning God. Allah yeah. and you're questioning his wisdom and you're questioning his love for you yeah exactly so i'm not i'm not gonna look at it that way i refuse to look at it that way am i this like person with rose-colored glasses on every day absolutely not i'm a human being i do have my good and bad days mm -hmm. you know but inshallah i will have more good than bad no matter what happens whether or not i go blind whether or not i go paralyzed whether or not i i'm using a walker or whatever I will try to look at the positive of it so as to not drive myself insane and to, you know... But you, for also your family. For my family. For I have children I need to think of. I have a husband. I'm thinking about... I am thinking about myself first though because once I take care of myself... You can take care of them. I can take care of them. Right. So, I mean, that's my mentality right now. All I know is I have it. I know it's from Allah. I know I'm going to make the best of it, inshallah. And I know whoever out there that's listening, make as much dua for yes, me as I possible. I will make dua and I ask inshallah. everyone listening Shazak to inshallah make you know, dua for a recovery. For I think we need more funding towards these type of illnesses that yeah. um, don't, you know, they're chronic and they don't really know what the source is. They're mm -hmm. very complicated. I also think that these type of questions that you get are from the lack of education. Yes. Because if more people understood, shared, and... And like I know you post a lot about it mm -hmm. and it, it kind of puts it in people's perspective because before maybe they didn't know what MS was yeah but they learn about it and then so they know that to ask these kind of I don't know there's not necessarily personal questions but questions that are kind of unnecessary and maybe aren't appropriate towards people who are going through an illness thank you so much for sharing you know that story um i know that it's a hard time like you said you're human but inshallah like with your perspective it's so inspirational to me with talking with you and I know other people who've gone through illnesses I feel like it kind of sets you up to hopefully be able to be resilient towards it when it does come because you've I've had that support mm -hmm. people have had that support mm -hmm. and hopefully people who are listening can you know kind of gain that support it's very important to have a good support system when you're hit mm -hmm. with this especially if it's like I said a girl it's so different with girls than it is for guys because when a guy has an illness it's like oh ya haram okay I'm gonna marry him and take care of him and all that yeah, stuff yeah oh you're gonna you get know? Jenna you're gonna get Jenna uh, yes, exactly. Whereas the girl is, no one's gonna look at her. No also, one's gonna marry her. The man, when <coughs> their wife is kind of stricken with some type of illness, they remarry. Yes. Or oh my gosh. Yes. Which is uh, the all whole I know is My husband better not look at anyone. <laughs> nope. 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 But you no. know what I mean. You're yeah. right. It is completely Absolutely. different for a woman. Like the the standards are different for mm -hmm. men and women in the way that. Uh, illness is perceived when it comes to relationships and stuff yeah. like that we touched upon all the juicy topics we did and i really really enjoyed it thank you so much for i enjoyed it welcoming too. me into your home and dealing with me not just <laughs> dealing, with you. dealing with me and you know um helping me with this episode and you were so open to the idea when i approached you about it because i'm always <laughs> like hey do you want to like sit and record with me like this is how i approach people generally but yes thank you so much you're very um, welcome thank you for doing this it's oh, honestly it's such a great project you have going on mashallah it opens up a lot of doors to so many different topics that need to be touched upon you know so i mean i'm just like kind of facilitating it really i'm so encouraged by the people that want to be on and that are on so mm -hmm. alhamdulillah thank you guys this is awesome you guys like there's more than <laughs> you thank you well there's all the listeners <laughs> yes thank you listeners i'm so glad i was on this i was honestly very honored and flattered that you oh. approached me if you have a story to share i am so open to listening to it 
as a woman, I feel like we deal with infinitely different things. Yes. And I want to, you know, shed some light just because we're often misunderstood by mm -hmm. so many groups of people, mm -hmm. sometimes even ourselves, like of other Muslim women. So, um, so far, I feel like the reaction has been that women are relating. Girls are too, and they just feel like a sense of representation somehow, which I think is important. And inshallah, this is like complementary to everything else that Muslim women are doing. Inshallah. Um, just kind of on a different platform, but... Inshallah. Thank Inshallah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening in and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and follow This Muslim Girls podcast on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also visit the blog thismuslimgirl.com where you can find all content information from this and all previous episodes.